Well, I want to invite you to turn to uh, Psalm chapter 40. That's what I want to use as a passage to kind of set the stage for, for where we find ourselves as a church in, uh, in, in, in March of 2022. Uh, just a, a little bit of a word about the Psalms. The Psalms, is, they're, they're, a, they're a songbook, a sacred songbook. They're, they're a collection of Hebrew prayers, and, and they were written down and set to music, and they were sung together by God's people in worship. And so over the years, the, the music itself didn't last, but the lyrics have been maintained, and they've been preserved, and they've been handed down to us in this book. And, uh, and Psalms is pretty much right in the middle of the Bible. If you open up your Bible to the center, turn left a few pages, you get to the Psalms, and it's filled with all kinds of prayers uh, that we can pray in all kinds and every kind of situation. And so you will find in the book of Psalms, you'll find prayers of celebration and rejoicing. And you also find prayers of desperation and, and dedication. There's, there's angry prayers. Um, there's, there's prayers prayed in grief. There's prayers of loss. There's prayers of discouragement. Believe it or not, there's actually even prayers that question and doubt God and ask God, what is going on? Um, the idea is, is to take every situation, whatever it is, be a good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, and bring that situation before God in prayer. And, and you know, there's times in our lives when, when it doesn't seem like we just can't find the words to pray, if you've ever been there, right? Um, and that's kind of what the book of Psalms is there for. So we can, we can open that up and pray these prayers that have already been written down and, and make them our own and personalize them. It's sort of like when you turn the radio on and you hear that song that just resonates with you and you just say, this, this is my song, right? This was written just for me. And, and the book of Psalms is sort of that same thing. It's, it's written so we can read them, pray them and say, yeah, this is... This is my prayer. This is the right prayer for this moment. And, and so part of the reason why I chose this particular psalm, Psalm chapter 40, is that it's a bit of a mashup psalm or, or a mashup song. Um, mashup is, is when you take two different songs. Uh, you wouldn't think they would ever work together. And then you combine them. You put them together. You mash them up and and somehow, when you put the right backbeat behind it, it, it all works. And, uh, and Psalm 40 is like that. It starts out with this rejoicing, this jubilant rejoicing about God's rescue. But then, without warning, it shifts, and, and the shouts of celebration get replaced by a cry of desperation. Celebration and desperation. Now, you wouldn't think that those two concepts could go together, right? It doesn't seem like they would. Um, but then again, for those of us who have been living on this planet over the past couple of years, you might think like, that's exactly what life is like right now. This has been our reality and we need to figure out how can we both celebrate the great things that God is doing and at the same time, how can we just cry and, and, and just express our ongoing need for him to be at work in our lives. Uh, so that's just a bit of where we're going. Let's jump in. Let's read what this says, and let's see how it relates 
uh, to what God is doing in our own setting today. So, so I'm going to read the first five verses in Psalm 40. It's going to be right behind me as well. It says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. No one can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. I will stop there. This this psalm, this 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 prayer, this song, it's it's telling a rescue story. It's it's a story that started out in a sinking, miry pit of destruction. Not a place any of us would care to find ourselves at any given time. Now, we don't know how he ended up in this pit. Was it his own fault? Did someone else push him in? We don't get those answers because that's not the point. The point is that, that this pit he was in, it was too deep for him to ever climb out by himself. Right? The, the point is that he was stuck in this sinking place where there was nothing solid to grab a hold of or stand on. And the point is that it was only after a very long time of waiting that the Lord rescued him and lifted him out. That's how he starts out. I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, waiting is something we can all relate to in, in this time. We've, we've been stuck uh, in, in, a, in an extended season of waiting for, for a long time, haven't we, right? It, it's been personally for me a lot longer than I ever expected. And, and, and it's, it's a challenge for me to actually think back and look back on the past year because in my head, the past two years, they just blend together as one gigantic blur. Anybody relate to that? I, I don't know. But, but let me ask you, has the world felt just a little bit like sinking pit, like a sinking pit? It, 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 it kind of seems like there hasn't been a lot of solid ground to, ground to stand on lately, doesn't it? You know, uh, just think about when, when COVID hit and, and the world shut down and a lot of people died and we all stayed home and we argued over masks and mandates and, and who's telling the truth and what's fake news and you know, and I, I know that's just a very abbreviated kind of Cliff Notes version of the past couple of years, but it's been difficult. It's been disorienting in so many ways. And, and, and this season of waiting that we've been in, for me, it's, if it's clarified anything, it's clarified for me that I can only ground my confidence in Christ. Only. He's the only place where solid ground can be found. It's not found in, in holding the right political view or standing for the right causes or listening to the right panel of experts or trying to figure out how to get life to work out according to the way that I want it to go. The, the firm foundation is Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. Hasn't the, this season just showcased the, the folly of believing that if we just elect the right leaders and pass the right policies, 
that we're somehow going to be able to climb our way out of this pit that we've been stuck in. What this psalm rejoices is that there is a Lord who rescues us from that pit, from that miry place. He takes us to a place that we could never reach on our own, a rock to set our feet upon, a sure place to stand, a confidence that even in the midst of all the chaos and the confusion surrounding us, that there is a faithful God, an everlasting God, an unchanging God, a true north that we can build our lives around. And this rescue story that's being told in this psalm, you know, it's a lot like our own rescue stories, our own stories, the story about us being stuck in our own sin and our own rebellion. And yet there's this merciful, loving, and gracious God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross to bring us to a place we could never get to on our own. He, he is our deliverer. He rescued us and brought us to a place of safety, the solid ground in Jesus Christ. And so as God's people, uh, I wanna just invite us as a church together to, to take our lead from this song, from this psalm, and rejoice in the goodness of God. Let's do what David, who wrote the psalm, did here. Let's open up our mouths and make much of the Lord. How awesome he is in his wonderful ways. I've got to tell you, one of the saddest stories that I heard this past year, um, personally, was, was someone talked to me, and it was someone in our church family, and, and they confessed that he didn't want to stop and talk to people after the church service has, had ended. He just wanted to make a beeline for his car. And this was someone who was typically very social, very engaging. And I said, why? What's going on? And he said, the reason is that so many conversations turn into political tirades. And that just broke my heart. You know, the world that we live in, we live in a polarized world. There's no question about that. The world we live in is all about making much of men, of people, of politics, of policies. But that ought not to be true of the church that we belong to. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, there's nothing wrong with holding strong convictions. Um, in fact, if you know me, you will know that I have a, a couple or a couple dozen or more. Um, but the danger is that God's church would turn into a mirror image of the world instead of being a mirror image of God's will. And that's tragic. You know, statistics have shown that throughout this time of, of COVID and of closures, that there has been this migration among church attenders, that, uh, that people have transferred churches that better fit around their political ideologies. Um, my prayer for this coming year is that this will be a year that instead of people leaving their churches for the sake of their politics, that God's people would leave their politics for the sake of their church. Wouldn't that be a great thing? You see, we don't need partisan churches. We, we don't need churches that make much of men. We need churches that are making much of Jesus, that are glorifying and magnifying 
the name of the Lord. That's what is happening in this psalm. And so let's, let's open up our mouths and, and sing songs of praises to our Lord. Let's, let's tell of his wondrous ways. The psalm says this, I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. It's so true. The ways of the Lord, they're just inexhaustible. We cannot get to the end of them. We can make much of an awesome God and we can never finish talking about how great he is, how wonderful his ways are. So, so let's make much of him instead of making much of, 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 of men. Uh, you know, when, when, when you're lifted out of a, a mud and a miry pit, there's a residue that remains even when you're back on solid ground you know, grime that's just there. And I've, I've noticed there's been a residue uh, from this season that we've been in over this past recent um, time. It's a residue that I would say is a residue of fear, of isolation, of anger, of division, of conflict, and exhaustion. Uh, it's, it's real. It's there. And I'm not sure that that residue is just going to wipe off on its own. It's not just going to automatically go away. I think it needs to get washed away. And, and I wonder if shifting our focus and choosing intentionally to, to rejoice in the Lord, to make much of him, maybe that's what we need to wash that residue off of our lives. So let me just take a minute and And let's rejoice here together over some of the wondrous things the Lord has done in this church community here at Lakeview Community Church over this past season. Um, You know, last August, just a few months ago, we finished this eight-year construction project. We finally moved into this building. And the very fact that that we're able to cross that finish line, that that is nothing short of a miracle. Um, For those of you who have been around those past years, you understand it, but many of you haven't been. So let me just take about four minutes and uh, give you a thumbnail history of our church. Uh, We started Lakeview Community Church about 19 years ago. Uh, We met in several locations before we started officially meeting in Casey Hall at Carmel High School. We met there for about 15 years. Um, When we started uh, this building that we're in right now was for sale. It had just gone on the market. And, and I called the owner, his name was Carl Dill, and I inquired about it. And he told me that, uh, well, it's on the market for $2.5 million. And if we had that, he'd be happy to have a conversation with me. I said, we don't have anything. And so, uh, you know, I said, we don't really have any conversation here. So, um, but... Uh, I reached out actually a few times because I saw that it was still on the market. And, but finally, we just, okay, that's not an option. Uh, we leaned into being a portable church, a church without a building, which was great because we were able to focus on people, uh, not places, not maintaining facilities. And I got to tell you, for those of you who are around, you know that was an amazing season. Um, we, we saw God do some amazing things. And what really happened is we were able to build up this strong, loving, Christ-like community where people walked in and they felt the presence, the love of Jesus. 
Um, so we did that. Eight years went by, and uh, eight years later, I got a very unexpected call from Mr. Dill. Uh, this property was still for sale, and he called to ask us if we were still in need of a facility. And so to make a very long story short, he ended up donating, donating this building and uh, eight acres of property to us. And, and that was something none of us, at, we did not see coming at all. That was a complete shock and a surprise. Uh, we continued, though, to meet in the school, and we slowly developed a game plan. How are we going to turn a, a rotted-out lumber yard into a church? And that was no small challenge. Uh, we built out offices. We, we built out the commons area outside there to be able to do midweek activities. We finished the kitchen, the bathrooms. And then finally, we took on this major project of, of the rest of the building, the sanctuary, the classrooms, the plumbing, the heating, the exterior, the driveway, and all that. So we, we did this three-year campaign where we focused on this. Uh, we secured a loan. We got that all in place. And during that time, right before we were uh, ready to kind of get all of that underway, we got contacted by a neighboring church about three miles up the road. And he said, Pastor Brian, we're closing our doors and we don't want our church to, we don't want to sell our church. We just wanted to go to another church that's preaching the gospel. And he came right out and said, we want to give you our church building. And honestly, my initial was response was, no, <laughs> one building is enough, and I have no idea what we're going to do with two, um, but our, our elder board, uh, very godly guys, we just, we got together, we fasted, we prayed for a week, finally came out of that time with the sense of receive this gift, and so obediently, that's what we did. Um, little did we know that, uh, you know, a year and a half later, COVID was going to hit, the schools were going to close, and if we only had our setup there at the schools, we would have no way uh, to do anything. Um, so, so we moved from the school to that place. We called it the Steeple Center. We met there um, for about a year before we started the construction here, and, um, and then COVID hit. And, and when COVID hit, we, we did a few months of work here, and then construction sites were closed down all around New York State. Uh, a couple of months later, they opened back up again, and we found out that uh, the prices on material, if you could find the material, had just skyrocketed. Uh, so that was kind of a shock. Um, at the same time, um, church activity almost went to a standstill. It dropped significantly. After COVID hit, we moved to online streaming services to stay connected. We did everything we could, but the truth be told, there wasn't a whole lot we could do during that time. There weren't a lot of options. We, we did a lot of patient waiting. We kept on keeping on. Uh, Sunday morning worship, when we were able to do a, a hybrid setup, uh, we dropped to just a handful of people. While we were spending more in in construction than we ever anticipated. And, and yet somehow, by the grace of God, last August, we, we crossed the finish line. Uh, we were ready to open the doors, but back then, COVID was still a very front burner issue. Uh, it hadn't gone to the back burner yet. There's nothing like opening a church in the middle of a pandemic, right? That is not the timeline that I would have chosen. Um, but but we actually have had a pretty significant influx of new people. But here was the strange thing. 
we had a lot of new people coming in while a lot of our longtime core people were still at home. They weren't comfortable coming out yet. And it was the most bizarre atmosphere. Uh, I, I still don't know if I have the words to describe it because, you know, the secret sauce of Lakeview Community Church, um, I'd like to tell you it's their pastor. It's not. It's the people. It is the people. Like there's this loving sense of community that comes from the people of this church. And the people were here, right? And so it kind of felt like we had one arm tied behind our backs. We had this beautiful space finished. We had classrooms and, and it was all empty. And we're just like, what, what's going to happen? How is this going to work out? And we just continue to wait patiently on the Lord. And, uh, and very slowly we've gotten to where we are today. Um, you know, I got reports last week that, uh, you know, their kids' classes are just bursting at the seams. We had to order more chairs that we put in here uh, because we're just, we're just out of space. Um, we've been maxed out, and, and I'm just so grateful to God. You know, if, if you're new here, if you've only kind of come uh, to Lakeview since we've been in this building, you may not know this, but you're probably in the majority you look around you and think, I'm probably the only new person around. No, there's a better chance that there are more new people sitting next to you than there are people who have been here for an extended period of time. Um, that's just the way God has written the story, and it's exciting. Uh, the building up the road, the Steeple Center, we've been able to turn that over to Casa Sevier, a, a Spanish church that's been desperately needed in that community. Uh, they've turned into friends and partners with us. And, and so the Lord has brought us to where we are. God is good. Don't underestimate the power of waiting patiently for the Lord. Because while we wait, God is working. He is doing what only he can do. And we tell the stories about the goodness of God. We do not keep our mouths closed. We, we need to hear these testimonies of God at work. And so as this song goes on, as this psalm continues, with his feet on solid ground, the, the writer of this psalm just feels compelled to respond, to offer something back to God in gratitude for all that he's done. So the question is, what does the Almighty want? What is God really interested in? He, he considers two options. One response is to give God just a, a token. Uh, the other would be to to give him the total. Here's what it says, starting in verse six. It says, in sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offering, you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. You know, Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. The writer of the song realizes that God has no interest in token offerings pulling out the spare change and, and giving God from the leftovers. That is just no way to say thank you to a God who's done what he's done. 
The only option he sees that makes any sense at all is just the option of total surrender, of a life given completely over to the will of God, a heart that beats in time with the heart of God, a life that's dedicated to seeing his purposes fulfilled. And it's a life that goes beyond duty and reaches this place of delight. He says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. The response that he's describing here, it's not a burden, it's a blessing. And, And getting to that place where we're able to sign our own names at the bottom of that line, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. You know, that's, that's kind of like the whole point of what church and ministry is all about. That's the reason why we do what we do here. We are here to see God's will done. And yes, that includes sacrifices and offerings, but it goes so far beyond that. It extends into every area of life. So here's, here's the news is God wants all of you. Don't, don't mistake it. It's, he doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants your life to be aligned around his will. And he's worthy of it. And there's nothing greater you can ever align your life around. And so the question is, what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me to, to not just give a token part of our lives, but to give the, the total? Let me just, again, extend this to to our church setting and what this looks like corporately for us as a whole. I want to start out, and I need to just just acknowledge and and say thank you uh, to the many uh, who have been dedicated to seeing God's will done in this church over this past season we've been through. Honestly, I would tell you that this season we've been through um, with COVID and closures and all that stuff, it has been the most challenging one I've ever had in the past 25 years of, of being in ministry. So I'll start with our, with our elder board, uh, Brian and Felix and Jim and Tony. These guys have been all in. And, uh, and our worship team leaders, Adam and Renee, they, they got us up and streaming uh, when we needed to do that. They've, they led worship when it was just like five of us in this room. They put this whole sound system and the, the video set up together, and that's just like scratching the surface of what they've, uh, what they've done. Um, Angela has been in our office administrating everything. Um, Tamara has been taking care of our finances. Stacy with our children's ministry, planning and preparing and, and decorating and teaching almost every week throughout the course of COVID. Just amazing. Uh, Russ and Tara leading our student ministry. Uh, Heather leading our greeting team. There's, there's really not a way for me to get to everybody. I'm going to miss people. Uh, people who have played a crucial role over this past season. Uh, our, our, life lead, our life group leaders, uh, the dedication they show week in and week out. So this is an opportunity, first of all, to say, to say thank you. Uh, these are some amazing people. Um, a couple of ministries actually started over the course of this crazy time of closure. Uh, Donna Schutz started a Saturday morning women's prayer group. And that um, also resulted in, in a men's Bible study starting as well. 
I'll just talk about the men's group for a little bit. Uh, started out with three guys, and it stayed at three guys for well over a year. Uh, but these guys persevered. And, and I was here yesterday, and they were telling me that last week, they had to move rooms because they've got like 16 plus guys coming every Saturday morning to study the fruit of the Spirit. That's just, that's just a great praise report. Uh, Heather Boylston also started, she followed this call to start a wellness ministry. It's called Uniquely You. It, it combines scripture and spiritual growth with physical fitness. And, and now that group meets three times a week and it's been an amazing blessing to so many men and women. Um, and I could tell more stories. I could just go on. And the point is that impact like that, that's not the outcome of, of token offerings. That is, that is total. That is all in. I have to say thank you to my wonderful wife, to my family. It has just been an incredible support. As we've navigated through all these challenges, uh, not only to myself, but to so many others. But I also want to say... Um, that there's a flip side that goes along with all of that. Because here's the reality. A lot of these people that I've just mentioned, they have been in overdrive for a very, very long time. And the truth is that we have this core leadership team that's pretty spent. <laughs> they're, they're tired and they are in, in need of some, some help. Um, now it's... It's actually, it's already starting to happen. Uh, but I want to let you know that, that as a church family, one of our biggest needs right now is to create, help people get in pathways of, of serving, of being involved. Uh, we're focused on two different levels. We have like the first line of just people serving in different areas and teams. But then the other one is a little couple of steps deeper is we, we need a stronger, wider, and deeper leadership base. Um, and so these are just things that, uh, that we're praying about right now. I hope you get a chance to check out the wall of serving out there. Uh, we're highlighting that throughout the month of March, uh, just opportunities to plug in, to get connected, to see what the needs are and to see how you can maybe participate in that. And there's also, um, a box there. If you just have a passion, if God has put a passion on your heart, we want to know about it. How can we come alongside you? Um, our, our original game plan um, when we kind of drew things up was to move to two services this Easter. Uh, the way things are going right now, I, I feel pretty confident that the need is there. We could do that. I'm not altogether convinced that we have the infrastructure in place to sustain that. We'll, we'll see. Um, the only reason is that uh, my big concern is that we're overstretching um, leaders who have already done so much and have been spread too thin. So, uh, so we do not want to burn people out. Um, please keep that as a matter of prayer. And, uh, and I'll just add to that, by the way, like these are great problems to have, <laughs> right? These are the kinds of challenges that churches like wish they had to wrestle through and we are, and this is just a huge uh, praise report for all God is doing and what the next steps look like. Um, since this passage also talks about offerings, I, I want to just take a moment and, and give a, an update on the financial state of our church. Um, I want to let you know, first of all, uh, those of you who've been here for a while, you know this, that I remove myself 
um, from that whole area. I do not check anyone's giving records except my own. Um, I do that for several reasons, uh, but I just steer clear of that. So what that does, it gives me just kind of, I think if nothing else, just the freedom to speak very freely about the way things are. Um, We've had a very long history of incredible generosity, spirit birth generosity, people trusting God with their finances and, and being open to how God's will impacts their wallets, their spending habits, and, and recognizing that it's all his, right? It's that total part. We're, we're not owners, we're stewards. What's been put in our hands has been placed there by God to be used for his purposes. And, and so I do want to tell you that since COVID hit, um, our, our general offerings have also taken a hit. Probably not surprising. Um, the first year, it didn't impact us too much because we had that PPP thing. Uh, we made use of that. So in 2019, our offerings went down 10%. Um, in 2020, they went down another 6%. And last year, it went down another 5%. Now, now, some of that may be due, it probably is due that we were in the middle of a capital campaign. We were raising funds for this building. Um, but either way, I do just want to bring that to your attention. I, I know this has been a very challenging season. And I also know that God hasn't changed. He is still faithful. He is still able uh, to be trusted fully. So, so our current state is kind of a fascinating one. We have we have more people engaged than ever, and yet our, our, our giving is at a lower level than it's been in the past several years. Um, it's okay. I'm confident that that's going to change, that God is going to work it all out. Um, our goal this year is to get back to where we were in 2019. Um, if you're not already, let me just take this opportunity to just challenge you uh, about tithing about taking God at his word, doing that as an act of obedience and a spiritual discipline, uh, to offer that first 10% as an act of worship to God. That's an invitation to discover that God can do more than all that we can ask or imagine, that he is better money manager of helping us make our ends meet uh, with 90% than we are on our own managing our 100%. And uh, so let me just go on and, and finish this psalm, read the rest of the chapter. This is, this is the mashup part. This is the part where right after this time of rejoicing and celebration, it switches into, into desperation mode. Here's what it says. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me, for evils have encompassed me. Beyond number, my iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. But as for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. 
So there's this recognition as this uh, psalm closes that, that there's pitfalls ahead. There's pitfalls we've been lifted out of and they're gonna keep on coming. Some of the holes that we fall in are holes that we dig ourselves. David writes, my iniquities have overtaken me. Um, sometimes it's just our own sinful actions. Other pits are there because we have enemies, right? Uh, David, David says, those who seek to snatch away my life, and those may be on one level physical enemies, uh, but there surely is a spiritual adversary who is at work to steal, kill, and destroy, who is set against God's work moving forward in our lives, in this church. But through it all, there's this confident reality. I hope you catch this, that come what may, right? If we wake up tomorrow morning and find ourselves stuck in another pit, let's personalize it. If this horrible war that we watch on our TV screens expands into something far more expansive, See, the reality is none of us know what's going to happen. But living in fear is not an option. We can stand confident in what verse 11 says. Oh, Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Those are beautiful words. This is the bottom line reality. God is faithful. He is good. And there is nothing greater that we can do than grab our hold of that faithful God. There's no better place that we can find ourselves than just that place of desperate dependency upon him. And so let's let that be our default in this year ahead. So we're not trusting in ourselves, we're trusting in him. You know, I, I'd really like to be able to, to chart out for our whole church, some kind of really neat plan, a systematic step-by-step plan of here's how things are going to play out in this next year. I I just don't think this is the year for that. I wish it were, but uh, it seems to be more like this is the season for being ready for anything, right? Honestly, isn't that the way it always is, right? Isn't that life? Now, I'm very hopeful that there's good things that have started here that are been going on, they're going to keep on going. We're, we're expecting that, that this place is going to continue to get filled with people who walk in, who get that sense of the loving presence of Jesus Christ, that people grow and get connected to life groups, and, 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 and they're able to wrestle through how to live out faith in authentic ways, that, that our ministry teams have an abundance of people serving, and that we're able to reach out to this community in relevant ways. We, we've got plans for all that to happen. It's happening already. It's taking shape right now. But here's the thing. Come what may. This is what it's about. We're going to hold tight to Jesus. And we're going to hold loose to everything else. So may we see our desperate need to lean on the Lord And may we be able to have our posture, that of David, who says, as for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. What better thought could there be? Let's pray.